Ganger Attain. We are back with another episode, and this one is coming to you from The Vault. We have Mac Redden, who is the CEO of Comsor, which is a community analytics and engagement tool. Uh, somebody who's been in the community space building for quite some time, launched several community-driven activities. They've got their thought leadership community. They have C-School. They have a ton of stuff. So um, we wanted to bring this up from April of 2021, and it's beyond the traditional thinking of community. So um, we talk with Mac a lot about, you know, strategies that B2B companies are exploring as it relates to communities. There are there are places like communities of practice that can benefit customers and non-customers. There are ways to think about community outside of kind of living in a platform. You know, how do you create some of those connections and relationships? So um, this was really fun. Wanted to bring this one back up and uh, let you all listen to what Mac had to say. So give it a listen here next. Welcome back to another episode of Gain, Grow, Retain. Uh, today, we've got Mac Redden, who is the founder and CEO of a company called Comsor. Uh, so Mac, appreciate you uh, hopping on today and spending some time with us uh, here on a, a lovely Tuesday, which is getting close to the holiday season. And I'm sure you've probably got a litany of other things you could be doing, but I'm hoping this is going to be uh, more fun than what, what you should be doing right now. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I think the fact that you're saying it's December is <laughs> terrifying, but that's a whole separate rabbit hole. We could probably spend the whole podcast talking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, cool. I, I like to start off with an oddball question off the, you know, off the beaten path. So uh, what's your favorite vegetable? My favorite vegetable. Oh, that's, that's a tough one. I like a lot of vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> Which is normally, a weird normally it's the other route. Yeah. Normally, it's the, normally people are like, oh, I can't remember, you know, I can't remember the last vegetable I ate, but now like, no, I, I mean, I was, like there's too many. Yeah. I was lucky to have a, a, a you know, I guess still have a mom of say past tense <laughs> sounds weird, but who is super into like growing homegrown vegetables and, and cooking and whatnot. So I got lucky that I grew up on, you know, a healthy oh, diet. So that's what my body's used to, which is, yeah. is great. But I think like the classic mix of like Thanksgiving style roast vegetables, like the cauliflower, sweet potato, bro uh, Brussels sprout, like that sort of combo in one is, I think, I think I'd have to go with that. If I, if I had to pick, I guess I just picked three. So I'm not exactly. <laughs> it's okay. No, I like it. <laughs> it, it, it's uh, very timely too. Like I love uh, things like that in the fall, you know, if it's uh, kind of like this fall comfort food type of thing. And so like, to me, that always reminds me of, uh, of this time period too. Yeah. And especially like, I love to put, uh, like carrots and celery and stuff into like a stew right now, or like a chili, like that always reminds me and kind of like, that's what I like. So I think my answer changes actually depending on the time, the, the season. So I appreciate yeah, your, uh, that your makes response. Sense. thanks that makes for indulging sense. my question. You know, I, <laughs> no, I like to start, <laughs> like start it off a little, a uh, little different, but, uh, but yeah, give, so I was, uh, we were just chatting before this, you know, we've, uh, don't really know each other. We're just from, you know, LinkedIn pals and, uh, and we've just kind of seen each other around. So I'm excited to dive in. Um, so maybe let's just start with the, the company that you started and, uh, you were about to dive into it. And I told you that I was like, wait, let's record this so that we can actually get it. But, uh, I think you mentioned that a year ago, a year ago, roughly, uh, you were a newsletter company and there were 12 people receiving that newsletter. So, um, how did we, how did we get here? Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess it's technically older than a year, but classic startup fashion <laughs> started with one thing and then pivoted to another thing. And, um, I mean, it, it started as an accident. It was, uh, if you know, product hunt, uh, yeah, so they had a no code hackathon last April. So like a year, a little over a year and a half ago, um, and, uh, entered with a, an entry that was basically a, uh, like a monetization tool for indie communities. It was basically like a Webflow front end with an Airtable backend where communities could list themselves and say they were available to sponsorship or partnership from companies. So we were targeting the indie community that was not tied to a company, uh, like, you know, local user groups and developer groups and, and things like that. Um, 
And honestly, I think we got like 51st out of 55 entries in the hackathon. Like didn't do well at all. <laughs> um, and wasn't thinking it was going to turn to a company one day. It was just kind of having fun on a weekend, spent four hours putting it together, but it, it made, I think it was like four or $500 in the first week, uh, because a bunch of community signed up, a company picked up a sponsorship on it and I quit my job three days later. <laughs> That's awesome. In Off high, of $500. Yeah. Well, so I, I, I'm, I guess I've been a repeat founder. So this is my like fourth or fifth company, depending on, oh, okay, I yeah, always yeah. like bootstrapped. So I was kind of in a, in a job where I was like, as soon as I have an idea that I think can work, I'm <laughs> yeah. out of here. So I, I was yeah. ready to quit. It wasn't kind of a spur of the moment, uh, decision, but kept building this monetization tool, uh, and, and scaled up. So it was crazy. It was like, we had like 6 million members across about 600 communities in like four months using it. It was no code. It was, it wasn't really a product. It was more of like a consultancy masquerading as a, as a product. Uh, and we started building kind of well, at the time we called a community CRM. And the idea was to give this tool to these communities for free to help them better understand their communities because then they would be worth more on our marketplace. So it was kind of like this idea of give them the free tool, grow the marketplace. And yeah. as we were pitching companies that they should do these sponsorships or partner with these companies, they started pointing to that free tool and just saying, well, can we just have that for our community? Like we have that problem too. And we're like, oh, like you hear that like 10 times, 20 times, 30 times, probably too many times before you make a, a decision. So I think it was about a year ago, it was last like October, November, uh, kind of shut the original business down for, I'm, I'm kind of glazing over like a whole bunch of reasons why we made the pivot. Uh, the main one being that people were asking for B when we were trying to sell A. And we started just doing research into the kind of enterprise-y, more business-focused side of community because didn't have a ton of experience there. So we started a newsletter. It was called Community Chat. It was a Substack, um, and it was like an Love aggregation it. play, right? It was like, here's the best tweets and the best blog posts about community this week. Uh, and the first one out to 12 people, as, as you mentioned before, I think it was five of them were like family members of mine, right? Like that's, <laughs> that's how this thing started. Um, and then Community Chat kind of grew into uh, a proper newsletter that we actually started writing content on. It turned into a Slack community, and then we started building a product at the same time. So technically, the community existed before the product, which is always, always super interesting. And that's a whole nother rabbit hole to go down. Um, and we officially pivoted, there wasn't really a hard date, but February ish of this year, um, kind of pivoted and we're like, all right, we are building this thing now. And, uh, fast forward, what, 10 months, 11 months now. And, uh, yeah, we're 12 people, uh, and an actual company, I guess. That's kind of crazy. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. And, um, in, an, uh, in another time, I'll tell you about our, my business partner and I's aspirations to turn our consulting company into a software company one day. You know, we were masquerading. We were a consulting company masquerading as a software company because we we're like, oh, we're going to go build something. But that's another story for another day. Um, but I love this concept that you're talking about just around, you know, um, kind of how are you that like, how are you thinking about this like engine, right? Like, how do you, how do you kind of think about like what's what's really powering um you know, powering these communities behind the scenes. Like I think the the challenge that we always hear, especially in customer success and, and B2B SaaS is like, you know, Salesforce, generally Salesforce is like the tool that everyone uses from a, a go-to-market perspective. And then, you know, you start hearing how it's not really geared towards customer success. And then uh, there's always bad data in it. It's always like a cluster. You, you know, how do you create the contact record to kind of fit requirements for sales plus DS plus other parts of the organization. And so uh, I kind of feel like you're uh, maybe playing off of that a little bit to say like, Hey, there, there can be an area where you're actually looking at your current customers and understanding like what they're doing uh, in the community, how we're actually enabling, empowering and personalizing experiences for them. Um, if I'm kind of thinking about it and maybe applying it tangibly to, to what I'm thinking about right now, at least in some of the challenges that we've had, is that kind of accurate? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I think that's a, you put it better than I, I probably would put it. So <laughs> I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> but I, I would say yes. Steal it. Okay, cool. Yeah. You can, you can steal that if you need to. Uh, but 
um, what, I guess you, you mentioned kind of talking with a bunch of people, they're asking for this type of thing, I guess, what was the, what do you feel like the overarching challenge was for them? Like, what was the, what was the, in your mind, the light or in your mind, I guess the light bulb it, when people just kept saying, I guess, what was that repetitive, uh, I think challenge. I think it was a. I mean, I think there's a lot of. I think there's a lot of things, right? And that's I think where it made it harder to identify it right away because it wasn't quite as obvious at first. I think it's a combination of community is this inherently multi-channel, hard to define thing at a company, right? It's not just your Slack or your forum or your events. It's it's like this whole kind of. I've used the line. It's it's a little bit like like branding. You ask me what branding is. And like, is it a logo or is it a feeling? And you're like, it's it's more of like the feeling in a way. The logo can be like a way of you know. Uh, getting that feeling across. But I think community is, is kind of like that as well. Like, you know, our, our community started on Slack, but I wouldn't call it a Slack community. It's a community that happens to use Slack, which is a, I think a, a subtle mindset shift, but it was just basically this discovery, that like community is like the entire network around a company, right? Like sales yeah. and marketing, all these touch points make up community in a, in a weird sense. If you and I sit here and we talk about Nike, we're not on Nike's, we're not on one of Nike's platforms. We're not on Twitter. We're not talking in public place, but I would still argue that us having a conversation about Nike makes us part of Nike's community. So it yeah. is this thing that goes way beyond, um, I think the traditional definition of community, I think community of support has been kind of the traditional way. Like you have to get through, become a customer. It's like, Oh yeah, you get the support for them. Like, yay, we have a community. And I think, I think the, the timing for what we were doing was, was lucky as well. Cause we were starting to have that mindset shift of caring more about community and, and actually investing in it. Um, and then also because it's so disconnected, we kept hearing from community managers that they were unable to, uh, prove impact. And that was the big thing, right? It was like, they're, you know, it's like, how many, how's community doing? And it's like, uh, you know, we got 10,000 members. It's up from 5,000 last quarter. It's like, great. But it was always missing that. So what moment, right? It's always like that, that like, so what, like, why, why do we care that we have 10,000 members versus 5,000 versus engagement level of this rate and, and things like that. So those were kind of the two, I guess the overarching thing was this disconnected idea of, of pulling things together. And the reason it's such a long answer is because it, it's so different for every company that it is almost hard to define it as a, as a singular thing. Yeah. I love the explanation too. Cause I, um, I think we've thought about our community in the, the way that you're describing it too, which is like, it is more about like programming almost. It's kind of like we are a hub and then our, our programming starts to become so different. There's so many different ways to engage with our programming that, um, you can't just singularly say we're, you know, a community, we have an online community. It's like, no, we've got a podcast. We have event series that we run monthly and quarterly we've got. And so to your point, like it starts to become this. So, um, at higher logic for, you know, I'm the leader of customer experience right now and, um, kind of nebulous because it hasn't really been a position here, but one of the big focuses is how do you actually just create a platform for peers to connect with one another? Like, that's just my whole, I guess, ethos in my mind right now is like, we really just need to try and move ourselves out of the way and just bring peers together to connect because that's all they really want at the end of the day. That's where the best learning is going to happen is when the peers connect with one another, they say, Hey, I have a very similar challenge to you. I can see myself in you. I can see, you know, the challenges you have, I've had like that kind of thing, I think is where, you're actually seeing maybe the the biggest benefit or biggest bang um, is when you can actually do that. And I think to your point, it's it's grown so much more and beyond, hey, we're just gonna start up a community to deflect support cases. And now it's actually to like, no, this can actually drive impact if we think about this one-to-many strategy in a way that's just, again, connecting peers. Um, and if we can remove ourselves, in a good way, if we can remove ourselves from that conversation, we, our brand will actually get the goodness of saying, oh, we made this connection between these two people if we can do it in, a, in an artful or thoughtful way. Yeah, it's very much like building the framework, right? And 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 letting people kind of do their own thing. And that that framework of community can include social media, events, forums, like all these different things, customer success, like all these things. And it's really just uh, 
like it's like you're putting the ingredients together, but the cake is baking itself. It's a I'm I'm very good at bad analogies, so there'll probably be a few more of those on this. <laughs> I like that the cake is baking itself. That's a oh man, I can't. I'm gonna tell my wife that one. Uh, that's a good. That's I a like terrible that. analogy. That just that should never be quoted ever again. <laughs> I think it was good. I I I think I I got what you meant by it, which is why I like I appreciated it. Um, so you, you know you kind of mentioned obviously having a lot of these conversations. And, and going through this kind of MVP and iteration, you know, phase of, of how you were kind of bringing your um, product to market and, and, you know, bringing it to bear for a lot of these customers. Um, so I guess is there, you know, you kind of mentioned it's multifaceted, it kind of changes for different companies, but is there, I guess, are there starting to be some major themes that you're noticing about that people are struggling with telling that story of community? Is it, you know, is it connecting with learning, you know, LMS type systems, is it connecting more towards retention or educate or support or other things? Like, I guess, is there certain stories that you're starting to already see kind of bake out in, in what you guys have been able to find? Yeah, there's definitely patterns, especially like when you break it down by industry, right? Because I think once again, community is so broad. So if you, if you go more narrow, I think there's, I think we're seeing a lot of right now is the general B2B market is emulating kind of what open source developer communities have looked like for 20 years. So like we're seeing companies like Lattice who have their community for HR people. You don't have to be a Lattice customer. Oh, yeah. It's just for people who are working in people ops. And it's, it's weird. It almost feels a lot like a developer community but it's HR people, right? So I get a lot of that, that underlying modeling is specifically a B2B as I started to happen. this idea of like bringing people together around the shared interest rather than, you know, for support or for things like that and, and focusing on the relationships and this bottoms up model that, you know, B2B companies are adopting more and more. So there's a lot of looking at community as almost like a first touch point rather than a last touch point for a, a potential customer versus an existing customer. That's one of the, the major trends we're seeing kind of regardless of, of company. Man, I love that so much because, uh, again, kind of going almost back to what you were talking about like with this, these brand experiences that you can, you can create. Like, I think the, the more that you can create this open environment, you know, I think back, I don't know, 20 years ago, I would almost, you know, argue that there were communities for companies, but they would very much be just current customers and they'd be closed because they felt like that was part of their uh, differentiator almost like they actually felt like that was a competitive advantage was that they had this closed community. And, and now I think with the transparency of the internet and other things that we've just inherently now as also as a society, just ask for more transparency. I think now you're starting to see how that shift is to your point, like benefiting the, if you actually go the reverse way, which is how can I get you to interact with my brand in a way that you don't really even think about, like you're not interacting with an ad. I'm not giving you some sort of hokey, come listen to my webinar, right? It's like, no, come engage with your other peers. And we just happen to be providing that space to come do that, yeah, um, which exactly. is like the, how you can win, especially if you just make it so natural that people don't even question it or think about it. Um, again, cause it just drives to brand experience over time. I mean, we do that with our own community. Right? Like our, we have a community called the community club for community builders. It's not, it's not the comm sort of community. It's actually, we'll get on a sales call with someone who's been in our community for six months and 10 minutes in the call, they'll be like, wait, you're the same Mac who's also the community like, Oh my God, that's so cool. Cause it's like, it removes the, the, the pressure. Like there's this, like, if you join the common store community, you're either one, not going to join it. If you're not already a customer or not interested, or two, if you do join, you're expecting there to be a sales element to it. Right. It's like, it removes the authenticity in a way Whereas like yes. almost like removing the brand out of it, which is once again, I talk to companies every week about this very hard to convince a company to do like, like, I think we have like built by the team at comms or in the footer of the website. And that's pretty much it as far as yeah. mentioning our branding in it, but it works so well. Cause we'll, you, you build relationships with people. It's like, it's community for the sake of community rather than community for the sake of sales or the sake of support, all those benefits, they, they, they will come, but it's, it's like a second order benefit of the community. And, and once again, that also makes it harder to track and harder to convince companies because especially tech companies, they expect scenarios of like, they can put a dollar in and get $2 out, right? Like that's, that's the sales model or the marketing model or even the success model. But community is really, I've used the analogy. It's like 
It's like growing an apple tree, right? It, it, it you got to find the right place to plant the tree. You got to plant it. You got to nurture it. It'll, you know, there's a, it could very easily get trampled or eaten by a deer in the early stages, but you know, eventually it gets to a point where you don't really have to nurture it anymore. It kind of just does its own thing. It'll start to bear fruit. It might take two years to bear fruit, but once it does, it'll bear fruit for a hundred years. Like you'll die and that apple tree will still be bearing fruit. I think community is very similar to that, but it's very kind of like anti-traditional tech models. Yeah. Well, and you know, I, I probably argue that mainly I would almost argue that that's also just because of the influx of like capital and the players who are coming in, right. They're wanting results quicker. I'm giving you a dollar. I need $2 back sooner. You know, I need to make my return. I need to make a thousand percent, you know, like, I think that's, that's one of the reasons or it, one of the causes could be precipitated by the fact that capital comes in. And, and then to your point, like we actually have less time to do things, right? Because it's like, we have to, our timeline moves faster. We have more money. We should be doing more with our resources and what we have. And so I think sometimes people pull the plug or think about it in the way that you mentioned, just be out of sheer necessity. Cause it's like, well, you know, they're not going to wait two years for this to happen. But yeah. um, I I'm like screaming from the rooftop, just wait. Like we, uh, cause we launched our community in, in March, like I was telling you. And so we had our consulting business then. And I, I could tell you, or, we could not tangibly put a dollar and say, Hey, you know, we won business because of this. But to your point, what ended up happening is probably four or five times we would walk into, we would walk into a meeting and they would actually already feel like they knew us because they had interacted with us through the community, through our LinkedIn, like our LinkedIn content as well. Like they'd be like, Oh, like, Oh my gosh, I've been reading your stuff. That's like, great. I've been listening to the podcast you know, awesome. And so like, to your point, like I love the authenticity and like the comfortable nature that came with that. Like the conversation just, it almost like helped our nerves and go out walking to a sales call, you know, like we're just trying to feed ourselves and it's like, you know, every dollar means something, but now it's just like, Oh, this is so much more of a conversation rather than us like having to sell ourselves and tell you about the credibility. Like it's already like the credibility was built in. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's, it, it all comes back down to like authenticity, right? It, it's, you're not here to sell. Like I always call it like anti-sales. It's like build the relationship and yeah. they'll come to you rather than you going and trying to like shove a sale down their throat. And I think it is a little bit, it's, it's funny, you know, companies have obviously pumped a lot of money into traditional advertising and content marketing and SEO and all that over the past decade. And I think one of the reasons community is taking so much hold right now is one, people actually want real relationships. They don't want to just buy a product anymore. They want to buy into a, a like a, a mindset in a way, right? Like buying notion isn't just buying notion. You're buying access to like the whole notion community and the templates and people who love it and talk about it and share insights about it. And people are also pretty sick and tired, I think, of kind of algorithmic advertising and social media and things like that. So it's a little bit of a, I think there's a lot, there's a lot of factors kind of coming together at once. The pandemic obviously accelerated from the company perspective, where I think people saw that companies that had communities and had invested in it three, five, 10 years ago were weathering it better this year than those who hadn't. Yeah. So now companies are like, oh shit, we, we should have invested three years ago. Let's do it now. Um, so it's definitely... It's definitely changing. I, I think one of the big things, the big struggles we'd be careful with the community right now is that it's it's starting to get co-opted and misused at times, right? It's become a little bit of a, a buzzword this year. People are like, you know, subscribe to my, like join our community. And it's like subscribe to the newsletter. And you're like, yeah, like, okay, like <laughs> maybe. Like it's just like a word, it's like it's a nicer sounding word than subscribe to our newsletter, right? Join yeah. our community. So there's a little bit of a, it happens whenever anything becomes a buzzword, which it, it has this year. So I think there's a lot of work to be done around defining actually, um, 
you know, how community functions and fits in an organization. And we're actually working straight for like product-led growth or like versus sales-led growth and things like that. Yeah. So we're working and it should, I don't know how long it takes you to edit and release these podcasts, but maybe about the time that someone's listening to this, we'll have our community-led model out, uh, which is exactly that. It's like, regardless of what kind of company you are or, or what you're doing or the size of the company, it's like a, a set of frameworks for how, not how to build community. There's tons of frameworks and tons of resources out there for how to actually build community at a, you know, a day-to-day level, but more about like, how do you fit community into a, an organization and into a structure in a way that community can thrive, but also benefit the entire organization. Yeah. I mean, I love that because I mean, you see like the counties of the world and, and how product led growth, like for them just precipitates on itself, right? Like there's so much goodness that comes out of the way that they're, they're doing that model. Um, it's like the same thing thinking about community, like, I, um, and to your point, like I, I've, always, as we've gotten more and more into community after just launching our own, it's like, you can start to see how that, to your point, like two years from now, I could just see how it would bear fruit so much on top of itself. When you start thinking about how product can be so close to the customer and hear ideas and challenges that they're going through, how our customer success team can be engaged with customers directly in there and ask, answering questions and going back and forth in best practices, like all these things start to precipitate on itself where um, it then just becomes the hub of, of everything that you do. And then if you can actually create, I think the big maybe one of my big things I'm seeing over 2020 and, and where uh, I'm starting to, I don't know, just maybe just get frustrated with people using the word community is um, they're not creating great experiences for me to have enjoyment out of the community. Like it's like, if I'm joining a community, then I have to go to a different support site. I have to go to a different community or, you know, uh, engagement site or education site, excuse me. I have to, there's all these different places I have to go. And so now it just like, it's almost like cluttering it. And so one of the things I'm always, I'm consistently thinking about is how do how do we remove friction for our customers in getting them whatever answer it might be. If it's a support answer, how do we get it quicker? If it's, you know, education, but in that same vein, like we have to be having one hub where they can go and try and get that information as quickly as possible. Because I think more and more customers are confused. They have multiple people involved in enterprise sales. Now you have a customer success manager. Now you've got an implementation manager. So there's all these people already involved. Great. Now you're introducing me to the academy, to the support knowledge base, to um, to our community, to whatever other resources, right? Like think about that. There's 10 to 12 people plus places that they might have to go. And so I, I'm always thinking about how do you reduce the friction? Because if you can reduce the friction and, and just say, hey, here's your one-stop shop to go and you can get all your questions answered, whether it's by a human or by uh technology or a website or wherever, you know, self-service to me, that's, that's how you start winning, I guess, this game at community more and more, if you can reduce that friction and create a, a great experience for people to go. Yeah. I think that also stems from this idea of like community for the sake of community that I mentioned before, right? It's like, it's doing community yeah. for the sake of, of the right way of doing it versus I, I can't tell you how many comments I see where it's like, what's your community? I'm like, well, this team, our marketing owns this community, support owns this piece of the community. Then we have like the team that owns events and the team that owns social and the team that owns the newsletter. And it's like, so like, you know, obviously there's no visual on, on a podcast, but our whole kind of model is if you picture like a ring, we have like product sales, marketing support, all these different kind of user facing functions sitting around each other. Community is both internal and like sits inside all of those, but also external and sits around all of those. And it's this idea of like community being its independent flywheel that then like connects into all those things at, at once. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, the, now that you just said that I am like thinking about that really hard about how some companies are like, Oh, we've got the, we have like one community, but then we have like 12 people who are responsible for it. And it's like, well, if you have 12 people, then no one's really responsible for it. Right. Like there's no like sole owner or like somebody who's going to be the responsible party. Um, so how do you, I guess, how have you seen people do that? Well, like how do you get your employees engaged in the community to create like a thoughtful environment for your customers to go and for not even customers, just for people to go, you know, whatever that might be while at the same time still having like a responsible part. I don't know. Have you seen somebody do that? Well, 
Salesforce. And I, and I will use that as an example to the day I die. I've always said community should be fun. Community is the best place for your company to have a voice. More so than marketing, more so than social, community can, can amplify it in a way that, that marketing and, and advertising and whatnot can't or sales can't. And if Salesforce, if Salesforce can build a community that is fun and do it incredibly well, or people are excited to be in that community, then no company in the world has an excuse for why they can't build a community, right? Because Salesforce, I mean, it's Salesforce. Like, come on, who cares, right? But they have one of the best thriving examples of a B2B community out there. And they, they started building that like 18 years ago. They invested well before anyone else really gave Gave a shit about community there. And I think it's this, this thing is like, if, if you can't even get your own team members to engage in the community, you shouldn't be answering it. You shouldn't be worrying about, Oh no, how do I force members of the team to engage in the community? Cause if your members won't engage, if your team members won't engage, why the hell are normal members going to be? Right. So <laughs> this is like, like community should be, once again, exists for its own sake. It should be fun. It should be enjoyable. It should be f- as frictionless as possible. And if you do those things, the engagement from both sides shouldn't be an issue ideally. And it's, so I think it's always, always fun. People try to like, I've seen some kinds where they're like, you know, they ask everyone on their team to like engage at least five times a week in their community. And it's like, if you're doing that, you're already like, you're removing the authenticity right off the bat. Yeah. Right? And people will see through that. And it might, it might work in the short term. And that's once again, this like whole idea of like the apple tree model and it takes time. If you try to do it quickly and unauthentic, it might look great for six months. It might look great for a year. It's not going to survive for two years, five years and become, you know, the Dreamforce or Trailblazer community of Salesforce. Yeah. I'm a member of Trailblazer, by the way. So I totally agree with that. Like going through it's that just experience to like learn it. Yeah. Right? yeah like, they, yeah, it's basically, it honestly has became, it's taken on its life of its own too. Cause they have, I mean, they, they made that an experience that you didn't even know it was community to be honest. Yeah. Like it was like, you know, like pseudo community. Let's like, all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute. Now I'm like part of this larger group of people who are all doing the same thing I'm doing. Like, Oh, that's great. And they almost like, they almost like don't call it a community, right? It's just like, it's like the trailblazer. They've like the trailblazer Academy, but they did this great job. Like also important thing. It's not the Salesforce community, just the term Salesforce yeah. community. Your reaction would probably be like, uh, yeah, right. Yeah. Like, so I think it's like, it's, it's allowing the community kind of like spread its wings in a way, in a way that like the corporate voice of Salesforce can't do. Yeah. It's, it is, it's an extension of the brand. I, I keep thinking about it like that. Like it, it is to your point, like, you know, it is changing the model of like how we engage with brands because you're, you're getting to customers from a bottoms up perspective. That's just different. You're trying to get more brand engagement, trying to give them positive experiences ahead of time. Uh, like I always think about how do you start giving them value now? Like in our community, it's like, how do we get tools, templates, you know, whatever it might be, how do we start just handing that stuff out like candy? Because again, like we're just going to get that at the end of the day and it's more, you know, that's not our secret sauce. You know, the secret yeah. sauce is in how you actually execute the the content, not the content itself, which I think also is um, being challenged now a lot. Like I think there's a ton of kind of old marketing out there that still is like, how do I close down all my stuff? How do I have, uh, you know, how do I have webinars that are closed and all this kind of stuff? And it's like, why don't I just uh, like open webinars. it up? And uh, yeah, <laughs> like how, I'm always, I'm uh, my business partner, Jay and I used to talk about how content uh, gated content is for the birds is what we used to say to each other. Whenever we just like come across something, you just be like, man, why do they, why do they do that? Um, but one thing that you mentioned that I'm curious to, to think about too, is like, you know, internally, have you seen, just some great ways that companies are, or just unique ways that companies are trying to leverage community data or just community discussions or threat. Like how are they kind of using community, I guess, to drive some other, whether it's an internal process or an external process. Like, I don't know if you've just seen some examples that are pretty unique or maybe stand out in your mind. I mean, I think a specific example, it's not very unique. One of the really common ones though, is like community led content, right? Community content creation and like using the community member to elevate them. Like you talked about like, you know, creating free content, giving those templates back, but then also enabling the community to also give back to the community and, and whatnot. It's, it becomes a, 
a cycle if you, if you do it right. I think there's, um, there's been a lot of discussion in the community space recently about like egos and community and, and whatnot. I think it's, it is kind of funny, right. That like people care so much for like slapping their name on a resource or whatnot. And it's like the least community thing ever. Um, <laughs> and I think, you know, a lot of like, just, I mean, I don't know if it's very unique, but I think a lot of what we do our community is like one of our core focuses is like, how do we amplify voices in our community, right? So like someone posts a really great, you know, discussion thread in our Slack and we'll reach out and be like, hey, this is awesome. You should, you want to write a guest newsletter in the thing and, and like make the whole newsletter about them. And it works really well. One, the community members feel, you know, ecstatic because you're, you know, helping spread their word and, and, and build them up. And it's uh, like uh, in Get Together, if you've read that book, which if you haven't, yeah. it's like, one of the Bibles for community managers now. Um, they're like past the torch section, right? Like stage three is like being able to pass the torch and, and do that, I think is I'm I'm, just, I'm kind of blabbering now as I as I try to think of an exact no, no. Of the initial question. It's, but <laughs> no, I I love no, that's that is almost the exact way that we've we've um thought about our community too, like from a um putting people on a pedestal is the way we we've put it. Like, how do I put the member on the pedestal instead of the community or myself? Like this isn't Jeff, you know, this isn't Jeff's template to share. This is like, look who built this. Like, this is amazing. Um, you know, and look what they did. And then to your point, like, how do we then start enabling, how do we then start enabling kind of the next people to say, Hey, take this, use it. And then tell us how do we make it better? Right. How do we just continually improve? So I think we've always held, I love the the virtue that you just mentioned about your community. Like, I guess two, we've always held two things, which is put the, put the member on a pedestal. And then the other thing is, um, how do we make everything actionable? I think one of the things, again, just going through our own experiences, webinars, communities, it's like sometimes you'd walk across conversations or come across them and just say like, man, that's so theoretical. It's so pie in the sky. I can never imagine myself going to do like that. Twitter, so, Twitter philosophy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Like, that, that sounds great, buddy. Until you're in my shoes. Right. Like, um, and so I've always, I think we've always tried to take that approach too with our community, which is um, when we have our weekly meetings, we always mention in our, we do this announcements at the beginning, but one of the things we mentioned is what's the one actionable thing you're going to take away from today. The one thing that you're going to go implement tomorrow, you're going to tell us about in the community next week. And so like, we've always kind of reiterated that moment after moment, because um, I think to your point, we always want to have these virtues that um, people feel like that when they come to the community, they're actually getting value. And that's to us, the actionable content, the, the templates, the tools, like that's the valuable part to us as well as the connections. But I think, and it's super hard people to track, are to learning, right? Yeah. That's also yes. one of the, the problems where it's like, I think people struggle, you know, people always fall into the trap of like the metric hole with community where it's like number of members, like reduction in support tickets. And like, yeah, those are important. Like you should obviously be aware of them, but it, it's kind of this idea of like, the metric is how many, how many community members have you connected with each other, both intentionally and, and unintentionally. And I was actually talking to, um, who was Eric Martin the other day, who uh, was the former head of community at uh, Reddit and is now at, uh, the, he's the chief community officer at Teal now, just to make sure I give him the proper shout out here. And he was telling me about this really cool thing he used to do at Reddit that he called like a community member audit, where like he was looking at like, you know, moderators of the, uh, of like subreddits and he would pick a random one every like two or three days and just reach out to them and chat with them. It's like random member, chat with them, get a sense of them. And it's one of those things like you can't put it in a report for your boss. You can't like put a number on it, but doing those sorts of things, like, so we've, I've started doing that in our community where like once a week, I'll just like pick a random member who I haven't like seen or talked to ever, or in six months and just be like, Hey, you want to grab 30 minutes on like a zoom and, you know, have a virtual coffee. And so far I'm four weeks in and I'm four for four people being like, Oh my God. Yeah. That's so cool. And, uh, I think it's just, that's, that's the struggle with community, right? Is it's like, it's, it's at, in one way, it's the most scalable thing a company can do because community can feed on community. Like you look at like the Salesforce community with millions and millions of members, their team is relatively small for how much they do. Yeah. And at the other side, it's also the least scalable thing ever. It's like really weirdly at odds with each other. Like, because it's like, you're doing all these unscalable things to enable the community to scale itself. So we have, Jay and I uh, have this thing where we talk about, uh, I used to joke with him that, 
Uh, I'm really good at doing things that don't scale. And I think that goes back to this authenticity piece. So when we first started our community, like you might think this is crazy, right? But I would send every single person, I wouldn't automate an email. I would literally send every single person an uh, an actual email for myself. And then when we actually started a company page on LinkedIn, I would spend hours on the night, on the weekends, sending a personalized message that said, hey, I'm so glad that you follow our our LinkedIn page. Like we have no content here yet, but I'm going to put stuff and I appreciate that, right? But like, and I got 100% response rate on that. And people like, are like, Oh, really? Like a hundred percent. I'm like, literally like a hundred percent. I would send out an email. I would get a response. Like, and to like, I just love the, the moment that you're going through right now, because it's like, I've seen how, if you can do those things, it's at odds with one another. Cause you always want to scale things, but if you can find the right things to scale, I think that's maybe the, the thing that I always think about a lot. Um, because again, those personalized memories and experiences that you're giving that person help them have even a better experience inside of the community. So I love that example too. Like we, we try and send out um, some meeting requests to some of our members every single week as well um, to try and do a very similar thing um, just to try and get engaged. And I think the biggest thing that you get from that too, is just the stories. Like, uh, like we have, I don't know, four times this week, I think I people or last week, people reached out to me uh, about how they got jobs in our community. They just met somebody else. And then they, you know, like we had one today, like on one of our office hours calls, somebody said, Hey, I just want to call out. Like I just got a job. And I was like, this is awesome. Like, you know, like how do we, how do we promote this more? How do we just, you know, enable them to do that without even having us to have to know about it. And that's like the great thing uh, about communities. You can do stuff like that. Yeah. It, it goes kind of back to what I said before about like this idea of branding, right? It's like the numbers of the community are actually not the value the community is generating. Like yeah. you have to be aware of them. But once again, it's like that the person who got a job to your community probably is going to invite more people to your community. They're going to think about it. They're going to like it, you know, and maybe they become a customer of, of you and, or whatever, maybe like something comes from it, but it, it it's, it's not as straightforward, right. As every other function, which is where it's so hard to track. And it, it's, it's kind of an obvious, like the things you can measure are not the things you should measure, which yeah. is, I say that as someone who's building a company to help you measure your community, right? It's like, it's very, very difficult to, to understand that. And I've actually, people have asked us like, oh, you're building like data-driven communities. I'm like, no, you're not building a data-driven community. You cannot build a community with data. Data can help you understand things in your community and, and you know, make decisions that are right. But at the end of the day, community is built by, once again, authenticity, trust, and real human relationships. Data and machines are not going to do that for you. Yeah, man. I feel like we're kindred spirits. Um, there's a lot, a lot of things that we talk about very similarly though. And, um, but I think, you know, the, the big takeaway for me, especially as you start thinking down this path, um, I listened to a podcast called the hustle with, uh, this guy called Sam Parr and, uh, Sean Puri, and they talk about community a lot and they, um, they talk about how it's kind of like this next frontier, right? They did, they've had a couple episodes on their podcast recently. And I think one of the funny things is that, um, I think they don't even realize the power of community. They're just like, Oh, it's kind of a buzzword, right? They haven't really gone down the path to explore it. So I think there's so many people, (laughs) I think there's so many people that are like floating around this. They're like, yeah, community is a good idea. Uh, But to your point, like, and once you start to get into it, if you can make the case almost about like not tying it to an ROI right now, maybe let's try to tie it to an ROI, like down the road. Like how can we, it almost reminds me of like, um, advocacy programs that companies start, right? Like, Hey, you know, Mac, you're a great customer of ours and you're speaking at conferences and you're helping us on, you know, uh, one-to-one sales calls and stuff. And so like, sometimes I could put a dollar metric to it, but other times, like you spoke at a conference of like 20,000 people and you mentioned our name, like, how can I put a dollar figure on that? Right. Like there's, so like, it's this nebulous, um, it's like the anti-data, right. And it's, I think that's the, that's one of the problems is that businesses have become too data driven. Like the human element yeah. has been removed from decision-making and community is the best way to put that human element back into your business. 
Yeah. Um, I love that too, man. That, that is uh, such a good point. There's everyone's uh, I got to write that one down though. So I can write it again later. Cause that was a good one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll send you the recording. So you have it. Um, but it's the, it's also like people are um, people are getting hamstrung almost like they're handcuffed by the fact, like there's a lot of times you walk into a meeting, they're like, Oh, we don't have enough data to make this decision or, Oh, we haven't, you know, we don't like, Oh, all, all of our systems aren't connected. So we can't do anything yet. And I like, I can't stand that. Cause it's like, let's just put our brains together for like, I don't know, five seconds and figure out, you know, we can do something here. We yep. can, you know, we can go do some stuff in Excel if we need to, for, you know, the time being like, not everything has to be automated. Not everything can be, uh, you know, into one system and source of record. I mean, ultimately that's the Holy grail. But, uh, so I think that point to me resonates so much, which is like, you know, we need to, we need to sometimes look at the qualitative side of ourselves. We need to get back to like trusting some of our instincts just to say, Hey, you know what? Like I can't necessarily measure this, but I can tell you what, there's six other interactions that I've had that like tell me that this is moving in the right direction. So let's like figure out how do we do more of this and then the measurement will come down the line. Yeah. I think that's a great way of, of putting it. It's uh yeah. It's this idea of like doing it for the sake of doing it. Right. And the benefit, it's like, once again, it's the apple tree, like the, the apple might not grow for two years, but it will, I mean, we're our own best case study at Comsor right now. We started as a freaking newsletter a year ago. <laughs> I would say 90% of our customers today have come organically from our community. If that's not enough to convince you that community is worth it, if you do it right, I don't know what is like sales yeah, is the ultimate end goal awesome. for any company, right? Like yeah. you can show that, that happens. And by the way, those 90% that have come from that, with very few exceptions, they all came inbound. They initiated the conversation after building relationships with us. Like that, that's, that's your case for community right there. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Uh, man, that's a good note to end on. I love it. So, um, Mac, let me let, uh, go ahead and give a plug to the, to the people right now. You know, this is your, your chance to brag on yourself, but, uh, if people are interested in learning more about Comsor or following you, you know, where's the best place, LinkedIn, Twitter, kind of give out, give a shout out wherever's the best oh, man. for people I'm, to find you. I'm always terrible at talking about myself. <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, I would actually point people to the community club, community.club, which is our community for community builders. It's probably the best resource out there if you're interested in building community or connecting with other community builders. It's We've got people that are you know building indie communities for their local chess group up to like the head of community at Salesforce and everything in between. So it's, uh, it's a great resource and I'd actually rather push people there than, than following me or following Comsor. So that's, that's where Love you should it. go. I'm, I'm actually, uh, I think... I'm a member. I'm like 99% sure I'm a member. Uh, <laughs> we'll have to double check that. Yeah, I'll double check that. But, um, but I have, I have actually, no, I am a member because it's in Slack. I've, I've been engaged. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm in there. Um, but yeah, that's awesome. I love pushing people there. There's going to be a ton of value that you can get out of that. And, um, Mac, appreciate you coming on and, and, uh, talking just about community and kind of shooting shit a little bit. And, uh, you know, I'm going to probably invite you back to do this because again, I think we've got very, uh, similar ways that we think about this. And so, uh, there'll be some fun yeah. conversations I think we can have as we, uh, as we go forward, but Always happy to. Thanks for. Hey everybody, Jay here. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. You know, this started as a labor of love for Jeff and I a couple of years ago, and it's really turned into a movement around customer success and community, and we couldn't be more thrilled to be a part of it. Um, we grow this by word of mouth, so we'd, we'd love it if you're willing and you find value in what you hear on this podcast. Leave us a rating or a review on, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It'll help us grow and, and provide value to more customer success professionals. Also, if you haven't yet, please sign up for Gain, Grow, Retain, the online community. It's gaingrowretain.com. You can meet other people, make one-on-one connections, share ideas, ideas, get ideas, grow your career ultimately. Um, 
Be on the lookout also for live events, both in person and virtual this year. We're excited to get back to that. And thanks for being part of the community. We look forward to talking to you soon. 